Welcome to the Bridge Audio Podcast, a production of the Bridge Community Church. Others hurt. 
Because there isn't an act that you and I do, even if it's just looking on the internet site, that we is too close to church. There is no isolated to me. I'm the only one in the church. It ripples out. That's the thing, because we don't live in just a physical world. We live in a spiritual world. In fact, that's what we are. Our spirits are doomed. We're doomed. We're made up of flesh. We're made up of the soul. We're made up of the spirit. And so it doesn't distract us a physical act. It affects everything. You talk to anybody who has misused sex, and they'll tell you stories left and right of how it hurts. There isn't anybody in here that's going, I'm addicted to pornography, and I love it. It's awesome. I hope I get more to it than this. I want to be on that Dateline show with a government with sexual predators. That's my goal. And if that's our goal, we've got other things to really work on. Nobody, you ask anybody who lives outside the parameters, and they hurt. That's why in high school we talk to, to kids, do not be involved sexually because it will kill you, it will destroy you. And then you see these couples that are linked together like married couples, and you know they're having sex, and then when they break up, it's like divorce. Because the woman, the girl, has committed herself, her soul, to this man, and it's over with. That's why divorce hurts, it's because we're ripped apart. So anything outside of it, it's not about religion, everybody. It's about the laws of nature. It's about the way that it works. And they're put into place by somebody who understands everything a lot more than we do. And so if you can just, when you can, just know this. I'll give it a try. I'll listen to what he's saying. But you can also know my heart. That, ladies and gentlemen, I am nobody. I have been married for 20 years, oh, almost 20 years, to the greatest woman in the world. But you know what? In my marriage, I struggled with pornography. And I struggled with it for about six months. Now, what I mean by that is that I was actively looking at it for six months. And then I cleaned it out. I, I don't want it anymore in my life. Does that mean I'm over it? Does that mean I don't struggle anymore? No. It means that it, the temptation is there. So, I'm nobody. I'm not speaking from any position of going to be not be immoral because you're here. It's simple. We all struggle in the sexual area. It is so easily twisted and taken out of the context of what it's supposed to be. The context that God created for is marriage. Between a man and a woman. That's it. That's where it is moral. That's where it doesn't hurt us. Telling you the things of God, when He tells us to keep them in His context, it's because it's explosive outside of the context and it ruins. And so He's not made you lose. He's not killed your secret sin and hers. Don't be ashamed of it. This is what I made it for. I want it to be fun. I want it to be fulfilling. I want it to be more than what you think it's about. I want it to be awesome. Because it involves a man and a woman. And a man and a woman are so different. And women, you ladies are so incredible. And, and where's my wife? 
I want my wife to come up here and she didn't know I was going to ask her to do this. But I want her to, because she thought she wasn't going to do this. It didn't occur when we thought maybe she wouldn't. But come up here. Joey, in a nutshell, would you explain to the, everybody just about the difference of a woman? Help, help the guys to understand about a woman operating out of her soul. Listen, ladies. We operate out of our souls, um, and everything that we do is possible. And men operate out of flesh, and even more than flesh, and it's just different. Um, but have you, have you ever had a time where you have gone to a store, or you've gone to work, or something like that, and you have had something happen that just pissed you off? You just pissed off about it, and you just want to take care of it, like when. I just want to talk about it. Say, for example, that I was at Target, and in the clearance section, we found some lipstick, and I couldn't decide which shade of lipstick I should get. Because, oh, I'm going to spend this money to the So I take them both up to the checkout, and when I go to the checkout, there's a problem, and I'm sure it was some of the men, I believe. There's a problem at the checkout, and well, when he rings them up, I think, you know what, I can decide I'll get whichever one is cheaper. So, and I believe no price, so I have to have the one to ring them up. And then he can't take it back off. So now I'm forced to get both, and I will argue a bit. Now, I can take this one off, and he's giving me trouble. So by the end, I'm frustrated because I just can't both. And um, it's just a matter of a couple of dollars. But it's possible at times, and it's frustrating. So I'm driving home, and I'm mad. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to get home with that I know he'll care. He will care about this predicament that I'm in and how my feelings are so upset about it. Yeah. So when I come home, I throw the door open. This is hypothetical, but it does happen in my home. Throw the door open, and I don't know, you will not believe what happened to me. I am so pissed off. And I hear no response. So I go and I find back in the TV room, and there he is in the recliner, and maybe a blankie on, the remote in his hand, the blankie. Don't surprise us. Now, I'm just going to say, ask yourself, is he blind or That's a whole nother, whole nother problem. Anyways, he's in the recliner, remote in his hand, kicks back, the football game is on, but the lid. And so I think, oh, he's sleeping. So I go get the remote, or, you know, the hand stays in it. And, and I get the remote, and I turn it off, and I hear, oh, oh, Rocky, you have this girl. Sometimes it's not even that. Yes, there has been a girl. So he then insists that he is watching this game, even though it's on his workshop. And he, I, he can't be bothered about my little problem I'm having. So then I wait. Maybe I wait till commercial or whatever it might be. And I, you know, it's horrible. Blah blah blah. And I go to Callie, and I notice that he's not even looking at me. He doesn't even make eye contact. He's looking at the TV. And I'm going, oh, you just can't believe it. He's doing this. And I'm thinking, well, doesn't he care? Do you care about what's going on with me? 
it's just this thing with women, we're just different, and we care about what's going on with each other and want to talk about things, but not necessarily do our husbands want to hear it. <laughs> There's so many different things in the way that we were created as women that is different. And maybe we don't understand the way our husbands are. I'll be, you know, talking and such a huge thing, and I know that um, I've said this before, but missing the call for my best friend will go um, out to eat or on trips or whatever. And Chris and Paul will sit in the front with me, and I will sit in the back, and we talk about everything. Like, we, you know, we talk about hair color and, you know, getting my nails done. Yeah, we can dash all the soul. And all of these things that we talk about, and the guys sit in the front, and they have, like, woven this tapestry of noises, like um, grunts and scratches and windy noises. And to them, that's communication. And, you know, we get home, and he's got a total great night. And I'm thinking, how? How can it be? This is a, you know, the communication that you have, but it's just different. We're unique. And so we have this frustration of how do we do this when no one really understands us. Who understands who we are? We want you to understand that as a premise that God understands who you are in you. Even though we might go home and we're frustrated and we want to be able to share our soul with our husband and we think, he doesn't care. He doesn't know. And I just want you to be encouraged that God does know who you are. He created you and he cares about your garden shelter and he cares about the fact that you want to talk about it. Um, he cares that you want to feel beautiful and that you want to be admired. He knows that. He knows you have a need for that. He knows that you hurt when you feel less than beautiful. He knows that you self-loathe, <laughs> that you, know, you struggle when you don't feel like you look the way you should. He knows that you want to be cherished and cared for. You want to be rescued and protected. He knows all of that, and he understands you, and we want you to understand that as a premise. And I read this wrong in the first service, but um, it is really what he says, and God created people in his own image, but having them, having them after himself, male and female, he created us. He created you as a human. He understands all of your complex interventions, and we just want you to understand that, that he's there to walk with you as we begin to look at relationships and stuff and to be encouraged that he walks through this with you and your spouse or your fiance or whoever it might be. Or if you're single, he'll walk with you as you come to learn more about yourself and relationships. So he, he understands the soul of the woman because he created you in his own image. So the God, the God is a God is sexual concept. Well, I wanted her to share that because she just touched the iceberg of the differences between men and women because guys, like she said, operate out of the flesh, and it sounds like we use the word flesh for dirty things. Um, not because we're made up of three, three levels. There's the flesh of us, and there's the soul of us where our reason, our feelings, our emotions are, which is where women operate a lot out of. Guys are more, for example, 
the top five emotional needs of a guy, the top two is number one is to have really good sex, and number two is to have an attractive wife. Doesn't that sound deep and shallow? And I go, I know, are you thinking tonight? This is great. And she thinks, 
but the moment that no longer does God's opinion of who I am matter, then I'm getting it from myself. I evaluate me, and I let others evaluate me, and that's how I fill my spirit. There were flesh, soul, and spirit. The spirit in us is who we really are. And when we did that apple, we dumped out God, and we filled it with poison. And so we walk through life looking to what other people say, looking for things to fill our spirit, and we burn And nothing lasts. We may be hot for a while, then after that, or yesterday's dreams, and it just doesn't work anymore, and we just hurt, looking for something to fill that hole in our life, and we realize that God, from the beginning, had a plan to fill it. And He said, I'm going to send my son. Somebody's got to pay it. And my son, he will die as he lives a perfect life here on earth. I think it's fine with him. He will die. His punishment on the cross, when he dies, will take all the sins. It will absorb all the sins that were ever done and will ever be done on himself at that day. When he dies, he paid the price. And when he rose again, it was stamped that he is the Lord. And that he is the Lord of life. He is the Lord of over everything. And so when you and I come to that point of where we realize that we need to be right with God because we were created for that, God says, I've made a way for you. And that's through Jesus. You accept what He did for you to pay your sins. And I do, Jesus. I accept that what you did. You've made me right with God. There is nothing that I can do to make myself right with God, no matter how much I pray, buffalo ladies across the street, get in my way. It doesn't matter. Because it's a spirit issue, not a flesh issue. And God makes my spirit right. The poison is jumped up and it's filled with Jesus Christ. And so when I get over here with God, God looks at me and sees Jesus. And God declares to me, Chris, you are holy. You are pure. You are good enough. But what happens to us? After we do that, we start to see the things in our life because when we're around God, who is holy, we realize we don't have our act together. And there's a lot of stuff that needs to change. And a lot of times, because we think we have to please God and earn God's favor, we separate ourselves from being intimate with God. And we think, someday, God, I will be good enough. Someday, after I take care of these habits and these issues in my life, someday I'll be good enough that I will be right with you and I can have intimacy with you. Not that way. God is saying, you are in the room of me. I already told you that you're holy. You and I together, not letting the issues separate you and I from intimacy, remember that, but we will together in intimacy work on these issues. You will slowly become in the flesh and in the soul what you already are in the spirit. And that is good enough, holy, beautiful. Here we are. So we're coming to marriage. And Jesus uses the analogy of marriage, tying it in with the whole confusing thing of the church. In fact, let me confuse you a little bit more. Hang with me. Ephesians says this. It'll all make sense. Check this out. And further. Now, you see the word submit. Ladies, you're tightening up. Don't. 
because it's not like that. Submit means go along with, and if you read the whole context of Ephesians, you understand this isn't a negative statement. This is a beautiful thing. It's because of all these things, then this comes into play if we say, and further, you will submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You wives will submit to your husband as you do as you do to the Lord, for a husband is the head of his wife, and Christ is the head of his body, the church, who gave his life to be his Savior. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives must submit to your husband. See how he finds husbands and wives in this church. The church, what's the church? If you and me, if you have Jesus Christ in your life, you are grafted into the family of God, the body of Christ, and Christ is the head, and we're the body of Christ. We are together as one family. Okay? He uses the American analogy. And you husbands must love your wives with the same love Christ showed the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean. Watch by baptism in God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Do you get that? If you are in Christ, it's not someday I will be right with God. He looks at you and sees Jesus in your person. And it's true. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man is actually loving himself when he loves his wife. No one hates his own body, but loving and cares for it. Just as Christ cares for his body, us, which is the church, and we are his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. I throw a lot of that out, and I know it's a little confusing, but the point is, is that the Bible doesn't use a best friend analogy. As it is a best friend, so it is in Christ and the church. It's about a husband and wife. And I believe it's because of this. A husband who operates out of the flesh in the area of sex and most of the way that he lives and operates, he operates out of the soul. And when it comes to sex, because it's a holy moment. It's something that God created. It's pure. It's beautiful. When you're in the presence of something holy that God created, you realize that you may not be good enough. And because women understand that more than men, that's why they struggle with this man has some things that he needs to take care of before we can enter into this deep, meaningful act. And a lot of times, a man doesn't measure up. And a man usually never feels like he measures up to what his wife wants him to do. And a man usually struggles with looking outside of his marriage. Now, no reason that it's wrong to do this. It's a perversion. But you'll find men looking on pornography sites, things like that, because it's just not happening. And immorality is much more easier than morality. And so there's the issue. But like salvation, where we come into the real grace of God, and God speaks to us, and we know that we've got issues, and we look at things just personal and holy. I no longer hear my evaluation of myself. It doesn't matter anymore. 
other people shy away from me doesn't matter anymore because God has declared me holy. I am good enough. When we enter the church, man and woman, you've got to enter into a room of grace. And you take it to the third level that it's a spiritual act because you are looking at each other, not flesh and not soul, and evaluating each other and whether we deserve it or not. Whether I'm good looking enough or not. What the world says or not is that we look at each other and for the first time I see my wife. Maybe she on these other levels isn't what I want her to be. And then I can't argue with that.
Thank you for listening to the Bridge Audio Podcast. For more information, log on to thebridgecc.org.